Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg, and with me always is Ringo. Say hi, Ringo. Oh, Ringo's not on get... mute, just like <laughs> 2018's Mute, which is what we watched this week. It's on Netflix, rated TVMA. Ringo, what have you been up to this week? I've I've been practicing being mute for all of our YouTube videos recently. Uh, yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> uh, no, what what I've been up to is I've been playing Final Fantasy 16, and I I love the game, but it has a lot of cutscenes. Man, you you <laughs> get dropped into a location, cutscene. You walk ten feet, cutscene. You kill a man, cutscene before you finish killing the rest of the men, so another man can show up, and then cutscene after the man finishes his cutscene, so another cutscene can start, and you're like. Am, am I going to play yeah. this game? <laughs> this is like one of the first JRPGs you played, or it's not like your primary genre, right? Yeah, it's not my primary genre. I, I played a few. That was one of my favorite games to test, like not Final Fantasy 16, obviously, but any of the JRPGs that came in because those cutscenes were full of just fucking gold that we used <laughs> around the office all the time. We worked on a game called Dot Hack GU. I believe it was Dot Hack GU 2, mm-hmm. and there's a character named Gaspar and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think it was the first GU where he said it. But he was like, Just nonstop chasing after the protagonist. And some of the people in our office could just fucking nail it. And yeah, uh, I think at one point one of our leads was like, Hey, anybody who says that, I'm going to fucking send you home early. I'm so tired of hearing it. (laughs) Of course we waited. And we were like, as soon as he came around the corner, we were like, Trying to get a day off. (laughs) Uh, This is more a punishment for you, sir, than it is for me. It would be a punishment for us. We were paid hourly. We did not have Ooh. sick days or anything like that, or PTO. You got sent home. You just didn't get money. That's just gotcha, the way it worked gotcha. out. It was the past. It was 2007. Yeah, eight. true. When everything was like real shit to work for anything that was hourly. <laughs> it still is. Yeah, it's not great now, but yeah, I think I'd like to say if the industry's improved, but now it's just that they've outsourced most of it to somewhere else. So it's hard for me to say if it's better working conditions. Yeah. If you're ever out there and you're wondering, man, why is it that so many games launch so much buggier and shit like that? They don't care anymore. They're All they're looking for is the fastest way to get it out for the bottom dollar. And the few and far between that don't do that, you can actually tell. It's crazy that a game like Baldur's Gate 3 took six years to make and got good reviews and people love it. And it's almost like they took time and energy and put passion into their craft. That's funny that you, that you mentioned that because I was watching a video earlier about Cyberpunk and I was like, I should probably go ahead and go give it another try because it's they put out their 2.0 update and they've apparently fixed a lot of it's not perfect but they fixed a lot and it's the, the storyline's probably from my understanding a lot better put together now so I might try that yeah I think it was a, this last one was their like final update they said they weren't going to do any more for Cyberpunk and I was like that's pretty cool at least they're being honest about it too yeah. this isn't a on demand software as a service game that's going to run for 300 years You've paid your $60, and now you've gotten your money's worth out of it. This is what we offer you for $60. I think that's pretty dope. Yeah, no, I agree. I, uh, I like when things end. Same here. I, I really don't like when things continue, which I saw 
Destiny apparently is trying to go ahead and hook people back in since they weren't doing so good. They've added a Geralt of Rivia character. Of course. Or armor or something. I don't know. I didn't look into it because I was like, if I look into it, I'm going to go ahead and start snowballing down that road and finding <laughs> all the fucking issues because, God, I hate Destiny at this point. I'm waiting for Destiny 3. <laughs> or Destiny Trace. Destiny Trace. But yeah, I don't know. Part of me wants to play some Destiny and another part of me is, is kind of like, I have so many other things to do. Like, <laughs> if I was playing Destiny, I we still wouldn't have our latest James Bond video out because I'd still be fighting with YouTube about copyright. Fuck what, you, MGM. I, I keep getting the, the emails and I noticed that we were at nine copyright claims so far. Which uh, It was, yeah, nine on the, the video because I tried to upload it seven times <laughs> and I got copyright claimed one time on each of the first seven attempts and two times on the ninth attempt which is we went with the eighth attempt the ninth i was trying to if you find that some parts of it are a little bit unlistenable i was trying to fix that but then mgm was like fuck you guys (laughs) so fix that but yeah so that's where all of our claims came from all these like hey you can't do that and it's like yeah i know you told me for for a movie that was made in the 60s and a lot of the cast is way too old to even worry about it or dead at this point. So come on. Yeah, I have no idea if anybody from that movie is still alive. Like, maybe Daniela Bianchi. But other than that, everybody else. Like, I know Sean Connery's dead. I know Desmond Lellon is dead. I wouldn't be surprised if the lady who plays Money Penny is dead. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the people who greenlit the movie and made the movie are dead. So, yeah, just <laughs> fuck you, MGM. Fuck you. Fuck copyright. Fuck. Disney and all these other corporations are pushing it forward. Just a lot of you. Every yeah, single I, one of you. Yeah, and I wish that someone had a backbone and would have stood up to Disney and been like, 28 years, you don't get any more than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm actually even fine conceptually with the idea of extending it to 50, right? Because 50 is a long time. But 28 seems workable. I don't know. It's one of those things where I think that people have this idea that you would somehow then lose all your money after 28 years. But... To put it in some perspective, the movie Fight Club came out in 1999 and the book Fight Club came out in 1996. It's not Chuck Palahniuk's only book. It's not his latest book. It's not even, some people, like many would argue, it's not even his best book, right? Invisible Monsters Choke, those usually tend to go towards the top of the list. Even if we had the 28-year copyright, that means that Fight Club, the book, would be public domain next year. He doesn't lose all the money that he made from all of the Fight Club things. He still gets that. Anytime somebody watches the movie Fight Club, he would still get money from that. Anytime somebody buys his copy of Fight Club, like by Chuck Palahniuk, he still gets money from that. What it means is that then you and I could, if this was public domain next year, go ahead and write Definitely Totes Fight Club 2 by Greg and Ringo, (laughs) right? And he couldn't sue us for it being too close to his work. And that's all that this public domain shit means. I, I really think people don't understand that if... Disney lost their copyright claims, like their ability to sue people for making movies close to theirs. All it would mean is that some other studio, Universal Studios, could make Harry Potter meets Mickey Mouse, the movie, right? Or the Harry Potter version of Cinderella, or the Harry Potter version of Pinocchio, I think is public domain, but the Harry Potter version of Aladdin. 
They could make their own thing, and Disney couldn't sue them for a cut of the money because they used copyrighted IP. That's all it means. Anytime you buy a copy of Aladdin, anytime you watch it on fucking some service or whatever, right? It's still the money still goes to Disney. It just means that other people are allowed to work with it too. And if you don't think that's a good thing, think about how many times we've retold Shakespearean stories in a form you might find more interesting. If you think that Taming of the Shrew sucks, but you love 10 Things I Hate About You, spoilers, that's an updated version of Taming of the Shrew. And obviously, <laughs> it's been a long time since Shakespeare died, but still, think about that. Think about how much like you hated the new Star Wars movies, or you oh, disliked God. any of the MCU shows, etc. That would mean at some point, somebody could actually try to do a better version of those. That's all it would mean. That's yeah. all it would mean. But as of right now, everybody listening to this podcast, unless you're like, three or younger which turn it off you shouldn't be listening to this is not for you <laughs> but if you are not three years old or younger you will fucking die before that copyright runs out because it is george lucas's lifetime plus 50 years even if george lucas died tomorrow i'd be 80 90 sorry i can't even do math i'd be 90 and let's be real the, the way the world's going i don't think that many of us are making it that far so like <laughs> We, most people alive right now, will not live to see the end of copyright, assuming they don't extend it. So, <laughs> that's what yeah. I've been up to this week. I've been upset. Yeah. That's not a surprise. I kept, like I said, I, I kept getting the emails, and then you and I were talking about it. I'm like, this is some bullshit, all right? Look, everybody that, that even interacted with this movie is dead. I highly doubt MGM's actually making any money off of this. And even if they are, it's not, not like our podcast that's listened to, like, by 10 people is going to take anything away from those movies because I highly doubt anybody's watching them enough for them to make anything off it. It's like what listening to a Spotify uh, mm -hmm. band or something like that. They make pennies off of one listen, maybe. Yeah, once the video is 20 minutes, 25 minutes long, and I might total clips used is maybe 10 total minutes out of that, right? So the movie is an hour and 55 minutes long. So if you think that people are going to watch a 10-minute like analysis of your movie, mostly focusing on the, the women in the movie, and they're going to be like, ah, oh, they took all of our money, right? You have a bad movie. If I could do a better <laughs> job with a YouTube video on my own time in 10 minutes than you could at theatrical releasing, you don't have a good movie. Yeah, you done fucked up if that happens. Yeah. Speaking of not good movies, you want to talk about Mute? Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's <laughs> jump into this. All right. Hold, hold week, on. I got to get into. You got to mute yourself. This time we took on 2018's Mute on Netflix, rated TVMA, starring Alexander Skarsgård as Leo, Paul Rudd as Cactus Bill, Justin Theroux as Duck, Seneb Salah as Nadira, and Robert Sheenan as Luba. I do want to shout out Dominic Monaghan, Mary out there as Oswald. A young Amish Leo loses his ability to speak. Sorry, I should clarify. His name is Leo. I'm not saying a young Amish person born in the month of August, the star sign Leo. Just the young Amish Leo loses his ability to speak in a boating accident. Fast forward 30 years and we find Leo working in Berlin as a bartender at a bar owned by the gangster Maxim. He and his girlfriend Nadia share a night of passion before she goes missing. We're then introduced to Cactus Bill and Duck, two American surgeons who are AWOL from the military. We follow Leo on his path to find Nadira as well as Cactus Jack on his quest to get out of Germany, only for Leo to end up killing everybody and save Nadira's daughter. You might be wondering, you didn't mention anything about the daughter. It feels like a lot happened in there. It's fucking mess. <laughs> Reviews. 
For Uproxx, Amy Nicholson says it manages to be both bizarre and boring. While writing for The Wrap, Robert Abele says it's legitimately difficult from scene to determine what exactly about the increasingly lurid and far-fetched mute made it necessary to be told. On IMDb, user The Little Songbird gave me a 5 out of 10, commenting, Mute is not a bad film or a terrible one. It is much better than the negative reputation it's got. It's just that it's not a good movie either. And with the concept that it had, the cast and the director, one cannot help feeling that it should have been much more. And finally, over on Letterboxd, user Luke gave it one star, quipping, It's nice that Netflix movies come with directions in their titles now. <laughs> Something I didn't mention here at the top, this movie was actually directed by David Bowie's kid. Oh. And so I think that added a little extra hype factor to this movie when it came out. But yeah, Riga, what did you think of this film? I personally thought this movie was cluttered as shit. The women didn't have any characteristics other than, oh, you are a sex toy or a thing to look at or a thing to chase after. I think that the movie didn't really feel like it had a point other than making Leo some sort of hero and that it was trying to insinuate that maybe electronics are bad by having Leo be the main character. I don't know. I'm, I might be looking at that in the wrong light. But I do think that the comment that you read that was like, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good movie rings true with me. I don't think it was a bad movie. I don't think it was a good movie. I think it's the sort of movie that you can watch once and then forget about. I think that it has way too much going on because there are a million stories going on. Like you said, we have two, we have a soldier that is AWOL. We have a soldier that finished his, his, his time in service. Germany is going off about how there's a shit ton of AWOL American soldiers in their country. So you need to report them. In fact, actually, one of the things that they said that made me laugh was, don't be shy, screw that guy. I laughed at that. I thought that was hilarious to hear that over a loudspeaker. It was pretty funny. Yeah. I'm just imagining walking down to uh, SeaTac and hearing, don't be shy, screw that guy. (laughs) And just turn to Greg and be like, what? We need condoms? What's going on here? Oh, and then I'll be like, I'm sorry, as like a whole bunch of MPs descend on you. (laughs) Damn it. They made me do it. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know. There was just so much going on. We start off with Leo getting chopped up by a boat, and then his mom goes, God will heal him. Okay, yeah, all right. But your son is now 25, 28, something like that. Can't speak, and okay, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. all right. And then Nadia comes in, and Nadia delivers every single line that she has, like, so we need to do a thing. Yeah, it's all either flat or overwrought, right? Because it's either, Leo, you are the most beautiful, wonderful man who's ever existed. (laughs) Or it's just, I have to tell you something about myself. It almost feels like this was like video game NPC dialogue. And so they brought in a voice actor for the first half. And then the second half, they're like, oh, we actually need some more lines. Hey, hey, Barry, can you step into the sound booth real quick? I was just wondering, can you give me like just a very feminine, I need to tell you about me. Just give me that. And he had him do like three takes. Oh, yeah, that's good. If we do any more, we have to pay you. So that's fine. Hey, <laughs> you're going to be credited as a voice actor. Woo, put that on your resume. The but other yeah. major issue, real quick, before, before mm-hmm. you go any farther while I'm sure. thinking about it. I thought Paul Rudd was going to be the main character because every time I opened up Netflix and saw a mute, it was Paul Rudd standing there as the only character on the screen. Jesus. Yeah. And they sh- they certainly don't shy away from using uh, Paul Rudd and Justin Thoreau throughout this movie, which is probably good i think it's a pretty ballsy choice 
much like the character in Willy's Wonderland, I think it's a pretty ballsy choice to have your main character not be able to speak, especially because this isn't a POV movie where we live inside Leo's head. This is us watching him externally as somebody else would. And so Alexander Skarsgård, I think, did a fine job emoting. I don't have the same grudge with this movie as I do with Willy's Wonderland because Alexander Skarsgård is not known for wild line delivery, unlike Nicolas Cage's. You can hear all of my thoughts on our Willy's Wonderland episode. <laughs> that was from earlier this year. Or Actually, this will be coming out probably in 2024, so October last year. But my issue with this movie is that it is a jumbled mess from the get-go. And I think I can see two things in this future, in this movie's future. I think there is a 25% chance that this movie becomes a cult classic and a bunch of people who will later on become film critics or filmmakers themselves will credit this as an influence. Because for everything I don't like about it, it is original and it has really high production values, which is Honestly, the only thing that saves this movie from being absolute straight trash is that they clearly had a budget behind them. The Apparently in the future, Berlin looks like Coruscant. So I was <laughs> like, as soon as I saw like the flying cars, I was like, are Anakin and Obi-Wan going to show up and try to protect Padme from a bounty hunter who uses scorpions? Yeah, and then in but, the next 10 years, isn't it? Like 2035 is what they... Yeah, I think that's what they said. I, I didn't actually catch that. I was looking like throughout the movie, and I couldn't catch when exactly it was, but I think it is either 2035 or maybe a little bit farther out. But yeah, apparently we're going to have some flying cars just floating around in Berlin. But yeah, the I could see that happening because it happened with the Star Wars prequels where they were widely panned when they came out, and if you watch them now, they're still not good movies by any stretch of the imagination, but there's been this, like, renaissance of revival, of, like, defense for them. Like, no, actually, they're actually good. No, they're not. But they don't have to be shitted on. That's all. And this movie I could see in the future some, I don't know 2035 when this movie takes place somebody being like no actually this was the movie that made me make the next great sci-fi epic <laughs> so like I said 25% chance of that happening the other but the thing I think is more likely to happen is that this movie will forever be a trap for people who get into like more I don't want to say art house because that's a word that's overused and starting to lose all meaning but le less traditional and more kind of stylized filmmaking as a movie that, because there's so much production value in it, because there's so much style, because there's so much flash, it could easily trap you into thinking that there's something more going on in this movie and you just didn't get it. Oh, man, I just I got to go back and watch this scene again and this scene again and this scene again. Except that from what I can tell, we got it. I don't think anybody missed anything, but this is the type of movie that somebody would say like, oh, dude, yeah, this is my favorite movie because of the way X, Y, and Z, when they want to sound like they're more into film than they are. And I think we all know those people, the same people who were like, oh, my favorite guitarist is Ingwe Malmsteen. I'm like, no, it's not. Uh, and so I feel like this movie kind of falls in that, is that this would be this idea of somebody who's trying to pretend that they like movies a little bit more than they do. This is a perfect movie for them. It's a trap movie because... You think, because it's confusing and a mess and you're not 100% sure what happens, that you're like, oh, I must have missed something. Oh, maybe this is like Black Swan or Requiem for a Dream where you have to like really open your mind a little bit and look for things between the lines. There's nothing between the lines. If you start out watching the movie looking for things between the lines, you find that there's not anything there. This is a straightforward Taken-style story and just with a bunch of other shit thrown in there because he could. It's not very good. Yeah. And then you can like purse out like 
the basic storyline. Leo gets cut by a boat. Leo ends up in Berlin. The American soldiers are in Berlin for one reason or another. There's no explanation on that. You don't need an explanation on that. They're all going fucking AWOL for one reason or another. Um, not a surprise looking at our military right now. And you've got Leo dating a, a woman that works in a strip club that disappears. Leo goes hunting for her. Then you get introduced to Cactus Bill and Duck, and you find out that Duck is a pedophile. Bill is an asshole. The mafia is involved, but the mafia is there for like 0.3 of a second because they don't matter for shit. And Leo kills Bill, then Leo kills Duck, and then a child that you don't give a shit about is saved. Yeah. And I do think it's a very weird choice to have Cactus Bill, this guy who's an asshole and super protective of his daughter, not kill his best friend for being a pedophile who's around his daughter all the time. And, yeah, so it's one of those things where when that part of the movie came up, I was like, are you guys for real? There wasn't enough going on in this movie. We had to add one more wrinkle that is wildly objectionable. (laughs) Then they started playing into it and showing Duck doing really grotesque things. And not he's not touching kids inappropriately. He is touching kids appropriately in one scene. But otherwise, like, most of the pedophilic shit that he does is always off screen or it's through mm-hmm. a recording where you don't see him actually do anything to them. But he's so fucking weird around kids. In mm-hmm. fact, actually, so while I'm talking about that, I was watching the movie and my wife walked in. She looked up at the screen. I had the subtitles on and she saw the scene where they're in the bowling alley and Duck says some really inappropriate shit about the kids that are across from him. And mm-hmm. she goes, what the fuck are you watching? Nope, I'm not. I Nope and walked out and I was like yeah I don't blame you (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and it is it's awkward it's gross it feels like it doesn't need to be there this guy could just be an asshole yeah but they had to make him a pedophile too for no reason it doesn't lead to anywhere it's not a big revelation in the story it's like a piece of character development for a character that didn't need it yeah so they I guess if you're gonna go ahead and leave that in there you know what they should have done is they should have had Bill when he starts slapping him around since Bill carries around that fucking Bowie knife, mm-hmm. he slaps him around. And he goes, "You'll stop this. You'll stop that. You'll stop." And he pushes him up against the prosthetic thing, and he goes, "You know what? I'll never." On second thought, I'm thinking about my kid here. Fuck you! And he just stabs him. Yeah, or cuts his balls off, or that. Yeah, something like that, so that we also really get the sense that Cactus Bill is an asshole. Because I think we're supposed to be sympathetic towards him through most of the movie. Like he's painted as this. A wall surgeon who works for the mafia so that he can get papers to get out of the country so that he can have a better life for his daughter. But it seems like what he's most mad about is the fact that he's a wall and that he's stuck in Germany, which he constantly calls a communist country. And yeah. And so I wasn't rooting for him anyway. And this whole plot with his daughter, it also, so this movie commits a sin that I think is a writing sin more than it is a movie sin. We're not really shown how the character, Leo, puts the pieces of the puzzle together. They just come to him in a flashback. And then any pieces that were missing, the movie just shows us. So it'd be like if you were doing an escape room and they're like, you have one out of escape or you fucking lose and we'll put you on the loser board. And then 55 minutes in, you just four keys popped into the room from the vents and then you unlocked it. It's like, hey, congrats. You don't have to go on the loser board. You're like. So we could have just done nothing. We could have just <laughs> fucked around for 55 minutes and we would have won. And 
that's what the end of this movie feels like. Every revelation is given to you in some sort of weird flashback where there's, I don't know, the force telling (laughs) Leo what's happening. It's really unclear. He gets tased at one point and hallucinates killing Nadia. And, or Nadira, and so I thought that might have been what happened. I was like, oh, at least that's something. But then, nope, that's not true either. So yeah, there's no payoff. The mystery sets up to nothing. And then when you think the movie's gonna be over because Cactus is dead and Leo found Nadira's body, and you found out what happened to Nadira, you think the movie's over. And then for whatever reason, Leo just lets Duck walk right up to him and punch him in the face. And then he has to get surgery on him so that this mute character can finally get an electronic voice box, which is double sacrilegious because for whatever reason, Leo is Amish. So, yeah, that was such a fucking weird addition to the movie because it's like, all right, so you have your character, you you have your enemy character that you set on your best friend who you're going to kill. And instead of killing him, you repair his voice box, drive him around like you're a taxi service while he's fucking bleeding out in your back seat and then try to throw him off a bridge? Why? Why? Yeah, he wanted him to say sorry for killing Bill or yeah, Bill, but it's still like he way too long before he fucking before he became but before like they got to the big climax. I would have yeah. been like, hey say sorry and when he doesn't be like, okay, bang or mm. like knife to the throat. But and- yeah, it's it, like, so again, it's almost like they're trying to paint Duck as some sort of sadist, but it doesn't yeah. really come off for the rest of the movie. He's just a fucking creeper-ass pedophile. And then it, it doesn't work because he, if he's a sadist, then he should have killed Bill. He, he should have killed Bill. It shouldn't have been Leo. Mm-hmm. He should have been the one to go ahead and stab Bill, and then Duck has access to Bill's child the whole entire time, which would have made the movie really fucking awful. Mm-hmm. And there would have been less payout in that one than in this one. But ultimately, the pedophilic line that they chose was just bonker shit bullshit. And I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner. They're like, oh, Bill's dead and Duck's still alive and Duck is going to take the kid. So how do we do it so that the pedophile doesn't win? Let's just fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. And if it sounds like we're being a little harsh on some of the the choices in this movie it's because this movie is two hours and six minutes long and so it it doesn't even feel like it uses that time it feels even longer than that i think i paused it and i was like i gotta go be about halfway through this movie and i saw that i still had 90 minutes left and i was like are you fucking for real right now that was only 30 minutes of movie (laughs) and then yeah like i said so if they had wrapped it up with Cactus dying on his own basement floor with his own knife through his throat and I don't know we could have just had Leo into it that the girl was Nadira's kid and taken the kid and gone home never learning never having his electronic voice box installed the movie would have ended in an hour 45 and at least it would have felt like the right place to end the movie but we had to make sure because we made Duck a pedo we had to make sure that he got his comeuppance which again wasn't a choice that needed to be made for this movie it feels like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes when people get together and they try to talk about, like, what would, what would make this even more fucked up? And they never really come up with a story. They just keep coming up with worse and worse situations. All right. Okay. So they're in a tunnel collapse. The tunnel is collapsed on them. But what if the tunnel collapsed because of zombies? Oh, okay. So now they're trapped in there with zombies. So they got to figure out a way to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the zombies are all pedos. And it's like, 
Are there a lot of kids in the tunnel? Like, that's, I guess that's even worse. I'd feel less bad about killing zombies. Not that I'd feel bad in the first place, but even less bad if they're pedos. Yeah, but these zombies are bulletproof. And you're like, okay, so what the fuck is going on? Like, what is the point (laughs) of what's going on here? And it feels like that's what they did with a lot of these characters, right? All right. Paul Rudd's AWOL from the military. He's a great surgeon, but he's got a bad temper. All right. Seems to track. Also, he's a real asshole. Like, he fucking steals shit and gets mad when people call him out on it type asshole. All right. And he fucking openly and constantly insults his the host country, like daring people to turn him in. All right. And he's a murderer. Okay, so Bill's just a real bad guy, but he would never kill his best friend who's a pedophile. And you're just like, what? What is and, happening to these characters? And Bill has a kid that he lets yeah. Duck play with. So, yeah, this entire movie is a fucking mess from start to finish. The We called out Robert Sheehan as Luba. Luba's really a plot device character. He is introduced to you pretty much flatly as Nadira's roommate. And then you find out that roommate means works at the same whorehouse. And that you find that out through, again, Luba. And then you find out that Luba's been using Nadira's identity to earn money for her to pay off the madam or something like that. I actually don't remember who she was in debt to, but somebody or other. And so he's just basically a plot device character. There's a weird little twist where he's supposed to be in love with Nadira instead of, and she should have picked him instead of Leo, but it leads nowhere and it means nothing much like the rest of this movie. And so it all feels like somebody should have stepped in at some point and been like, no, Uh, yeah, like Uh, just stop on this like you've done enough because they add in so much stuff that just doesn't make any sense like sex workers are toys that's Mm -hmm. the only way i can put it because i don't know how to to explain what the movie was trying to say with this because sex workers in this movie they're literally just prop pieces they're just used for nothing racism for no reason like we don't have any conclusion to like the racist character that we meet i don't remember what what his name was but like leo goes and, and kicks in a door and this guy answers it. It's one of the hobbits from Lord of the Rings. That's the only way I can remember who he is. And he's dressed in a Dominic full... Manahan? Yeah, thank you. Dominic Manahan. Monahan, sorry. Monahan. And he's Mon- dressed... Monahan? <laughs> Monahan, there we go, yes. He's dressed in full geisha outfit, and he's got a shit ton of sex robots on his bed, and he's got a bunch of pictures of all the sex workers that he's ever hired, and they're all, they have their name autographed in really small cursive. And we don't get to see what the names are because the cursor is so fucking small and then this Monahan is just being a caricature of a geisha throughout this mm-hmm. whole thing then we get Bill saying some racist shit also Bill who is AWOL is trying to avoid getting turned into the military so he pays off the military and then the next thing you know he's in a mall like brandishing his bowie knife at a security guard that's probably mm-hmm. being watched by a fucking camera what the fuck are you doing yeah and like that's one of those things I always wonder about these futuristic dystopias is so the idea is that they're in a surveillance police state, but apparently the police just never see half the shit that goes on in our stories. Sometimes it's explained, sometimes it's not. But yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, so your way of staying low key until you can get out of the country is to steal a bunch of fucking nuts and then knife threaten the security guard that comes after you. No pass. Don't, don't be shy. Screw that guy. Yes. I don't buy any of it. So, yeah, for me, this movie is a solid pass. I would say that this is... It's worse than Cocaine Bear. It's worse than Knock at the Cabin, Violent Night. 
I don't know if it's worse than... Actually, I'd put this on par with Dragged Across Concrete. I think that if you really love this style of movie, then you'll probably find it enjoyable. Like I said, the production values aren't bad. There's a lot of production in it, and they do have a lot of effects, and they don't waste it on big-ass explosions and stuff like that. It's all world-building effects, so you get a really vibrant world around a real turn of a story. Yeah. But if you're a super big fan of sci-fi, dystopia, Blade Runner-style universes, then this could work for you. There are worse things out there, but this isn't good. I wouldn't expect to be truly entertained, and I definitely wouldn't expect it to be something you just sit down and like, oh, and I'll just I'll watch it on an airplane or something like that. This is you'd probably fall asleep on the airplane. It's not a good movie. It, like I said, Dragged Across Concrete is probably the closest. Maybe Walk Among Tombstones. I think Walk Among Tombstones is a little bit better movie, but yeah, that one had a plot that you could follow. Yeah, this so, had a plot you could follow. It was just a stupid plot. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. I, I do think that Dragged Across Concrete would be a, an equal place to put this one. I think that if you want a cyberpunk-style future movie to watch, you said one of them, Blade Runner, go watch the, the two Blade Runner movies. Or go watch Cyberpunk Edge Runners if you can stomach animation. That one's got some good storyline, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Don't watch this one. I, I give yeah, this go- one a, a wasteland disapproval, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. This is, this is like a 3 out of 9, maybe a 4, but... Yeah, I wouldn't go much above that. This, I, I, if you're looking for something like kind of futury, go watch Necrotronic. Better movie Ooh. than this by a lot. Yeah, Necrotronic was better designed than this one, at least. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely in that dragged across concrete genre where it's trying to be more than it is, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, anything else you want to say about this movie? Skarsgård has a weird dog pouty face. <laughs> he does have a weird dog pouty face. I think they picked a good actor for emoting. I think they did it for a character who's going to be mute the whole time. It works out pretty well, but yeah. Also, I wish people would just stop saying the line. Hey, does the carpet match the drapes? So tired oh of it. Oh my God. It's so cliche. And I get that the dude who says that it's supposed to be a douche, but man, every time I hear it, I'm just like cringe. Oh, and that's, like that part now. didn't pay cringe. out either. That, that, that no, whole... None of it ever does. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, if you're expecting anything in this movie to ever pay off uh, for the user, for the viewer, don't. It doesn't. Like, everything will just be given to you. But yeah, on that note, before we find something else to hate about this movie, <laughs> we've been streaming Wasteland. This has been 2018's Mute on Netflix. I definitely would just skip this movie. And if you have to watch it, I'm sorry. Please tell whoever's making you do that not to do that. You can find us on all of the social medias. You know what they are. I'm not going to list them all. We are Streaming Wasteland on all of them, except on TikTok, where we're Streaming Wasteland without any vowels. You can reach us at streamingwasteland at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, anywhere else podcasts are found. We will be there. And if we're not, let us know. Again, streamingwasteland at gmail.com. Feel free to leave a comment on this episode. What is your favorite Paul Rudd movie? And... Yeah, that's it for us. Say goodbye, Ringo. Goodbye, Ringo.